Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to Believe in Softball. I'm your host, Jenna Becerra, and 2021 is basically two-thirds of the way over. That is just wild to me. But the 2021 softball season is not. So Athletes Unlimited and lots of excitement is still coming, and we're going to cover it here for you. First, really quick, reminders for ways to keep up with the show throughout it all. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter, at Believe in Softball. That's B-L-E-A-V. Subscribe to Believe in Softball on YouTube, where you can watch the episodes too. So for today's order, first, we'll cover our bases, share some news and updates with you as usual. Then we'll head into today's conversation with Eric Lopez, who covers our sport in depth and even had me on his podcast a couple of times. So a nice little role reversal for you. Then we'll end things with the foul tip of the week, where we share tips to help us get better. So let's get rolling. Covering our bases couple things to get us started. It's that time of year where not only do we still have pro softball, but obviously pro baseball season is heating up in the MLB and football season is now upon us. By the way, the NFL has a record 12 women in coaching positions this season. So just another reason to tune in. But if you're into sports betting, bet online is where you should go to win money today. Whether it's live bets during the games or futures for who you think will win the championship, bet online has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. So visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next big game, head on over to Bet Online and start playing today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Another thing for you too. So I don't know if you heard, but apparently former NBA player Lamar Odom may be returning to professional basketball in Spain soon. I was reading a press release about how he started taking a pH balancing alkaline supplement called Balance 7, and that's what has helped him bounce back from his hospitalization in 2015. He even said, I have an enormous amount of energy, which is good for me. It's important when working out. I always need energy to level up. Couldn't agree more with Lamar. And after watching him fight Aaron Carter in July's celebrity boxing match, I think it's safe to say that Balance 7 is working for him. The cool thing is... We've got a promotion running with Balance 7 right now, where if you go to their website, balance7.com, and use the code BELIEVE at checkout, you'll receive a free four-ounce bottle of My Smooth Skin with any purchase of Balance 7 products. That product retails at $13.99, so I'd say it's worth it. Again, head to balance7.com and use the code BELIEVE at checkout to get in on the promotion. I know I will. Hey, if it worked for him, it can work for you too. Jumping in to softball. Athletes Unlimited is here. It's season two. I can't believe it felt like 2020, the first season, was just not that long ago. Like, I don't know how we already are here a year later, but we are. And here it is for season two. 2021, lots of returning faces, which is exciting to see. Lots of great things in season one that we saw. And I think this year they're making some tweaks to certain things based on things they learned from the first go around and maybe even from volleyball and lacrosse. Since then, um, since this is, remember, it's not just for softball. It's for women's sports overall. Softball just happened to be the thing that started it, which makes it pretty special. So a few rule tweaks that we need to look out for throughout this season. For points, so 
Last year, when you got walked or hit by a pitch, you got 10 points, which is the same amount of points you'd get for a single. So I, I kind of like the concept of, you know, we always teach a walk's as good as a hit. As long as you get on base, that's the main thing. I sort of liked that it was even in that sense. But this year, they have reduced that slightly to be eight points instead. And this must be based on some back-end data, I'm assuming. So that's something to keep in mind. It's not quite as round of a number, so that'll be interesting. The draft is also 14 rounds. It's a little bigger pool here, and it's a snake draft, starting with purple. Now, purple, if you remember, was the sort of fourth place team at the time. So it's not gold or the first place team that is actually starting the draft. It's purple. And then once it goes purple, blue, orange, gold, gold goes again, gold, and then down the line. And so that's what the snake draft means. So gold and purple will both have back-to-back picks at certain times. And then at the end of it, in that 14th round, the remaining players are assigned potentially if needed because, you know, you can only have a certain amount of people in certain positions, et cetera. So based on what's remaining, those can just be assigned at the end. There's also four pitchers per team instead of three. I think this is a good thing. Season one was very offensive led, like it was just a ton of offensive production. I think having another dimension, another pitcher to be able to bring into the mix is going to be helpful for the product overall. And it's also, instead of having those utility people that you can tag, because remember during the drafts, captains have to actually say and specify what position they're drafting people for. Instead of just being able to utilize a couple utility spots, they're allowing three middle infielders and three corner infielders. So something to keep in mind as you're watching. So some tweaks, the games, like as we're watching, you'll see some things with your eyes that are a little bit different. So the gold uniforms are actually gold. <laughs> Last year, they were just navy blue with some sort of like yellow highlights and writing on them. This year, they're actually yellow jerseys. I appreciate this. I think it's just more in line with the rest of the uniforms and just makes a little bit more sense. So that's great. Fans are also allowed. So you're going to see people in the stands. This is not something we saw last year. I think the broadcast did a good job of pumping in that fan noise to still give us some energy. The women themselves also created a lot of energy, which was great. But to be able to see fans again will, will be a good feeling in Chicago. So in addition to that, there are new facilitators this year. So last year we had some amazing folks like Lauren Lappin, obviously one of my faves, alumni from Stanford, as well as like Whitney Jones, who's on the Washington coaching staff, and some others. This year you're looking at Joey Lai, who is obviously just fresh off the Olympics with Team Canada. Ellie Cooper, who's a Florida State alum and national champion. Bobby Buchanan, who is in player development and actually a former coach. And then the all-time great Kelly Kretschmann and Alabama alum Courtney Geddens were actually helping out Jesse Warren in the first draft as well. So some new folks that are sort of, as they're called, facilitating things for the players who are truly leading from one game to the next. Now, the draft itself, we've talked about a few things in terms of the formatting, but this first draft that took place before the first weekend it was interesting, you know, it was interesting getting back in the groove of this Athletes Unlimited format. But the first overall pick by Erica Piancastelli was Sarah Gronawagen, Team Canada pitcher. She was supposed to be in Athletes Unlimited last year, but had some health concerns around COVID because of some of her health and medical history. So she opted out this year. She's here coming off the bronze medal. She was excellent in the Olympics. Excited to see that. Cat. Did not take Gwen Svekis. 
She had an opportunity in the first four rounds to do it, and she didn't do it. So eventually, Victoria Hayward scooped her up, fellow fellow player executive committee member, um, and it's going to be interesting because that seemed like such a key to the success of Kat in season one where she ended up being the champion at the end of everything. So they're split up this time. She went with Haley McClenney, Tori Vidalis, Odyssey Alexander, and Savannah Jaquish um, in those first four rounds. And I think some of the catchers she'll have are – some familiarity from Team USA with Deja Molipola, the rookie, and then Savannah Jaquish from the pre-Olympic days with Team USA. So that was interesting. Definitely interesting. The first rookie pick, and when I say rookie, I don't just mean rookie to Athletes Unlimited, because there are lots of folks who are new to Athletes Unlimited, but not new to pro softball. I'm talking about like the people fresh off of college softball. <laughs> so that first pick in the draft was Carrie Everly also by Erica Piancastelli. And then right soon after that, Kat swooped up Odyssey Alexander. I think it's a really cool move by the veteran to give some rookies a chance and give some guidance um, that we're going to see play out in this first week. In addition to, for context, yes, Kat was team gold. She is for this first week. Jesse Warren is team orange. Team blue is Victoria Hayward. And team purple is Erica Piancastelli. That is because those were the top four at the end of everything in season one. And that's how they're starting now in season two. That's how the rules are written. So like I said, the new grads, there are a bunch coming out of college softball and that NCAA experience, especially some you heard about in the World Series like Odyssey. But then there's plenty of veterans that are new to Athletes Unlimited in this format. So still rookies, quote unquote, for AU like Sydney Romero and Amanda Lorenz, and some really exciting players that I can't wait to see. And we're going to talk more about that in today's conversation, so don't you worry. But ways that you can engage with Athletes Unlimited, download the app. The athletes have been sharing their codes all over social media, so just take a look at whoever your favorite is and see what their code is, put it in. You can get rewards, they have flash sales, and you can actually watch games and and drafts and things like that directly in the app. It's just a good way to, to stay on top of things and even engage maybe a little bit with the players. Then also, Topps Trading Cards are back. So get yours for Season 2. Super cool. It was the first time we saw anything like this for pro softball back in Season 1. They're doing it again for Season 2. I love it. So I recommend doing that as well. Then on the college side of things, the Pac-12, Big Ten, and ACC conferences all announced an alliance moving forward. So the statement itself said that basically they brought, quote, 41 world-class institutions together on a collaborative approach surrounding the future evolution of college athletics and scheduling. That is super vague and PR comsy. <laughs> but I think one thing to note is that this alliance was unanimously supported by all the presidents, chancellors, and athletic directors at all 41 institutions. And really what it means is that they're just going to be working together in terms of scheduling. So this is really especially rooted around football and men's and women's basketball. And they're going to have more scheduling between these teams designed to create kind of like interconference games. And they're going to try to start doing this as, as soon as possible. Obviously, they have certain contractual obligations that are already in place that they'll try to honor. But other than that, like as soon as possible, they'll try to do this. For football, it's adding some additional interesting matchups across the conferences. Obviously, they still want to honor the historic rivalries and traditions that exist. And for men's and women's basketball, they're going to add early and midseason games on to the schedule. 
as well as maybe some annual events for certain premier matchups. And sometimes when I think of this sort of thing too, like for football, for example, Stanford and Notre Dame have one of those kind of like meaningful matchups every year. And whoever wins that competition gets the Legends Trophy, right? So that's kind of already like an interconference rivalry or relationship there. I think this alliance is meant to create more things like that, essentially. And there's also going to be some opportunities they're exploring for Olympic sports programs too, to compete more often and build, again, some of those more meaningful rivalries. I thought it was interesting too, like all three of the commissioners in their statement, they all really focused on and like mainly discussed how, hey, we're really centered on the student athlete experience. But I do think that it is interesting overall. Um, It does feel, it's hard not for it not to feel like a reaction to the SEC expansion with Texas and Oklahoma just given the timing. I'm sure these conversations have been going on for a while, but that's the way it comes across in terms of when the news broke. But really at the end of the day, it just sounds like it's, it's going to be more exposure. But I can't help but feel, you know, a little bad for the Big 12 too. Poor Big 12. <laughs> They're left out of this alliance, you know. They've been kind of the heart of them have been gutted a little bit with Texas, Oklahoma, and A&M years ago. So I don't know. I'm hoping that there'll be some good things in store for some of these other conferences still. But some of the the future talent we may see in some of these conferences could come from the Little League. So it's been super cool seeing both the Little League Baseball World Series and the Little League Softball World Series on TV. On the baseball side, Ella Bruning became the third girl in history to record multiple hits in a single Little League World Series. Freaking awesome. She's a badass. Moni Davis, she's famous. She's now like 20 years old or something, but... She's famous for having that like 70 mile an hour pitch back when she competed. She was the first girl to earn a win on the mound in a Little League World Series game. Kind of a a World Series legend. She threw the first pitch, the ceremonial first pitch to Ella Bruning, who was behind the plate. And it was just a super cool moment of bringing it all back around. And Davis was also on the kids cast. And they've had this before, but this was the first time it was ever the primary telecast for a Little League World Series game. So really, really cool. Just cool promotions and things that they were doing. For the Softball World Series, Oklahoma won the whole darn thing. So I think it's safe to say that this has been a pretty good year for Oklahoma teams in the softball world. And something I really, really liked is I saw a cool mashup video on Twitter of plays being made in the Little League Softball World Series, sort of mirroring, kind of like bouncing back and forth between athletes unlimited plays for these women at the pro level. And it was just a, a cool way to sort of connect like the young girls who who dream big and, and playing and wanting to play on a level like Athletes Unlimited. And that's just what it's all about. So I thought it was a really cool piece of content. Also great to see top tier broadcasters that we see during like the Women's College World Series, like Amanda Scarborough, Jessica Mendoza, and even more, calling Little League Two because it feels like validation in some ways and even encouragement for young players. Like, hey, look at this attention that you're already getting. I mean, our sport is only going to go up from here, and there's only going to be more opportunities if you want them and want to work hard for them. So lots going on, and someone else who covers our sport very closely is today's guest. So let's go ahead and head into our chat. 
He's a broadcaster, host, and one half of the In the Circle podcast, Eric Lopez. Eric, finally got you on the show. It's only fair. I've had you on on our show, uh, you know, so it's only fair that I return the favor. Uh, thanks for, uh, for you know, for welcoming me into your show. Yes, of course. I mean, to be fair, you did sort of tweet at me saying, when are we going to get our invite? Well, here it well, is. well, that was but that was Victor, my co-host, who <laughs> tweeted at you. He was pushing for that. Just for the record, uh, I didn't, I didn't delete it though. Uh, so uh, <laughs> you know, so I said, you know, I thought it was only a fair home and home series, you know. But uh, hey, like I said, we're both fans of your show, so take it. It's a good comp. It's a good deal when people want to be on your show. Well, I'm a fan of your show too. Obviously, it's why I have been on twice. Really enjoy talking to you guys. And now I have a feeling though that Victor's going to want his own episode after this. <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably. Uh, you could probably tackle like the lower levels of like Division Two, which he covers a lot for us over there. Like I do broadcast Division One and UCF. He does a lot of Division Two work, and he does some other D one stuff. But uh, yeah, he probably is going to request that when he finds out that I'm on the show. <laughs> All right, we'll get there. So, Victor, if you're listening. Don't worry. We will get there. <laughs> All in good time. All in good time. Well, before we get into it, because I always say this, it's like around this time of year, people think of it as off season for softball because it is in terms of college, but there's still a lot going on, you know? So anyway, we'll get, we'll get all into it. But before we do, I want some of the Believe in Softballers to get to know you a little bit too. Can you give some background on all you do for sports and for softball? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the podcast In the Circle. Uh, you follow that on In the Circle SB on Twitter. We've been doing the podcast since 2015 with Victor Anderson. Uh, we've done it twice a week. Uh, and, you know, that all started with me. I got into softball in 2007 when I uh, was a student. And I, they, told, they, they asked, you know, they needed somebody to broadcast UCF softball. And I said, sure, I'll do it. Because at the time I was covering the NBA with the Ma- Orlando Magic here in Orlando. And so uh, I figured the start time, the schedule worked out well. So I did it. I got hooked, as they say. And I've been broadcasting UCF softball uh, ever since. This will be my 15th uh, year, 15-year anniversaries coming up here. Uh, I've been doing games this year. We were there last. This past year was our first year on ESPN+. Plus. So broadcasting is always something I've been doing with sports. But softball has kind of been the hook. And then that kind of opened a lot of doors, like this podcast opportunity that I did in 2015. Because I figured we needed more content for softball. There was not conversational softball you know I've done sports talk radio where we talk football and basketball but there was never an avenue for that it's for softball at that time so me and Victor said why don't we just do that and we've done that since and it's been a lot of fun to grow that and then I do some you know uh, freelance writing I do bracketology stuff I do it for uh, Justin's world now a little bit so I've kind of tapped into a lot of the different softball worlds writing and then hosting and, and then play uh you know, podcasting and then play-by-play broadcasting. So softball has been a big part now for 15 years, and it really complements my other work that I do. I do a Black and Gold Banneret, which is a UCF SB Nation site that I contribute to, uh, and then I do other stuff as well. So it's a, it's a lot of different hats, but from February now, it's become yearly now where I have to, you know, focus on softball. It is. It basically is year round, but I, but I love that. I love that you got hooked. What do you think it was that hooked you to softball? I think it's the tempo of the game. You've played it, right? It's so like, I remember watching this UCF in 07 and I was trying to figure things out on the fly. Cause we are the, the thing that rookie broadcasters make the mistake is, especially if they've done baseball is, well, this is just like baseball. Well, you learn real quick. It's not, 
you you know, because baseball, you have plenty. It's a slower game. You have plenty of time to, to talk and have a conversation. Or softball, man, it goes like that. And so you learn right on the fly. But it was so intense. Every play mattered. The energy, you know, I was fortunate. You know, UCF at that time was trying to qualify for the Conference USA tournament. That was exciting. They had an exciting player named Allison Kime who would be inducted into the UCF Athletics Hall of Fame, went on uh, to help UCF win a conference championship and get to the NCAA tournament in 08, would go on to play with Kat Osterman and win an MPF championship. And I just, she was such an exciting athlete. And I, because they allow me to do interviews post-game. And she was so intense. She was such a great athlete. And I was covering the NBA and she reminded me a lot of her competitiveness, like the late Kobe Bryant, who I got to cover in the locker rooms, getting Mm -hmm. post-game audio. And I'm like, man, this is so, like, wild. Like, I just get – I'm so fascinated by it. And then you learn about these great athletes have stories as well. And then the game – within the game, I just got hooked. And it was almost like after – even after I finished school, you know, Coach Renee Gillespie at the time, who was the head coach at UCF and now is at Iowa, said, well, why don't you just stick around if you want to do it? And uh, so they allowed me to do it. I balanced that out free uh, for a few years until they – decided, hey, you know, maybe we should probably compensate him for all his hard work. And so the rest, as they say, has kind of been <laughs> it's kind of been history. I never thought I would be involved this long. I always thought I would just bolt after a while and go somewhere else. But I've always been drawn to just staying in. And it's just I love the passion. I love the excitement. And I think now we've seen it with the TV numbers, with the World Series and everything, that I think the rest of the country is kind of caught on to softball. It's exploded really since 0708. It's really taken a different level. Completely different level. And it's continuing to trend that way, which is also what's wild. But yes, I mean, in the Circle podcast, that was really one of the OG podcasts. Uh, And I remember even before the pandemic, when we started this show for Believe in Softball, there were like a couple, you know, in the Circle being one of them. But it's not like there were a ton. And then they've just really started to pop up over time just to talk about softball, which is pretty cool. You know, it's like how many football podcasts exist out there? A ton. Yeah, and our sport's ton. so great too. Like, why not have? Yeah, exactly. So and, I think and, right. it, it's it's been great. And the exciting thing is, me and Victor, we both have background in sports talk radio. So we wanted to do not only just do a softball show, but we wanted to do it like if it was a sports talk show. What was the hot topic? So like, if there was a big controversial obstruction call, we addressed it because uh, you know this growing into the game. You know, mm-hmm. back then it's not as open as it. You know, now it's more open conversations because there is so many more platforms now that you just can't avoid it but back then it, softball was kind of this secret like hey don't talk about that don't talk about that it's too controversial we can't do you know it's like why not like what do you mean like you know what are you doing um and so the cool thing about our show is we wanted to keep it as a sports talk show kind of theme so then we would have coaches on but we would ask them legit questions like i'll never forget on our first couple of years we had mike Kendra on that was a big moment when we had mike Kendra on. nobody ever got mike Kendra back then um uh, and he addressed, hey, you know, I think this illegal pitch is terrible for the game. We need to get rid of it. If, you know, if we're not going to be consistent with it. And he was very open. And I think from that point on, that was a lot of coaches come on our show and they feel comfortable to be open because we ask them questions that they don't get asked by the local media. A lot of times they're covered by local media people that aren't even really softball people. They're just, you know, they're probably covering the, they're the beat writer for the school. So they're just there because they have to cover it. Whereas we cover more in-depth stuff. And I think coaches appreciate that. And we don't just have coaches. Obviously, we've had players on and things and broadcasters, but we get we we go more in depth. 
And I think that's something that they appreciate because they have a lot of opinions. They have some thoughts. And I think it's a way to get to know these people. You know, we've had Tim Walton on. A lot of people don't get to interview with Tim Walton. So they get to learn about Tim Walton. Uh, one of my favorite interviews is Patty Gasso. I've had Patty Gasso on. And she's so blatantly honest about everything. And I'll never forget last fall, I had her on right after fall. And she told me up front, we just had the best fall offensively that I've ever had at any, any of all my teams. And you're thinking, wow, that, is that like coach talk? Well, we saw what happened with their offense. It turned out to be historic. So she was being the truthful. She, we, we, so if you listen to the show, you might have seen this coming. And that's something we take pride at, at In the Circle. I love that because one of the things I like best about podcasting as well is what you said, which is, you know, if the media and fans think they have takes on a lot of what's going on in softball, you better believe the coaches and the players have takes on this. So to create that environment to actually have those conversations is just, it's fun, you know? And then when you get people together like me and you who do this all the time, uh, you know, things can get off the rails maybe, but in a fun way. But And what's funny is a lot of them listen. That's the interesting thing. I get a lot of text messages from coaches and, and people in, in the game that text me. It's like, hey, I heard you said this about that. A lot of them have come up to me and say, that's how I find out what's going on with coaching transactions. Because mm. we do a lot of episodes, especially in the offseason. We focus a lot on coaching transactions. So we at In the Circle, we do a lot of times we'll do is we'll bring in a first year, the coach just got hired. We try to get them right away. Try to get them first in. We have mm-hmm. people that cover the game of softball to come in and talk about that new coach or talk about a certain move uh, and things like that. And pe- a lot of coaches and people that are traveling while they're recruiting and things, now that they're able to re- travel again, they're listening to the podcast because that keeps them track in track what's going on. Uh, that's always been one of the compliments that we've gotten. And then, you know, we have personalities like you. We've had you on. We've had Kenzie Fowler on. We've had Amanda Scarborough on. And she enjoys it because, you know, I have Amanda on. We'll go for an hour. And she just – that gives her the freedom to talk about other things that maybe she doesn't have time to talk about in other platforms. So um, that's kind of been the goal within the circle since we've been at 15. We've breaking news. We've voiced opinions. We've, we've angered some people, uh, sometimes because of the opinions that come from the show. But I think it keeps people uh, glued and, I you know, people talk about them. And parents, parents of players – have come up and talked to me and like, they'll just come up to me at a random game. Hey, I listened to your show. I was funny how you had so-and-so and things like that. So it's, uh, it's been a lot, it's been a lot of fun. It's a ton of fun. And just to your point with the growth of softball as well, there's just so much more. It's only more and more that we have to talk about. And now we're approaching, here we are, the athletes unlimited season. I can't believe it's already season two. It feels like season one just happened, but here we are. It's uh, I'm so fascinated to see this year, too. You know, I used to cover, obviously, the NPF. I actually broadcasted games on the NPF for many years with Future Plus A Pride filling in and things like that. And now with the NPF kind of out of the picture, interesting to see Athletes Unlimited year two. They're going to have fans here this year. To me, the big storyline, this is probably going to be the last time we see Cat Osterman pitch uh, this yep. fall, you know, after, after the Olympics. We have so many Olympians there. Interesting to see how this grows. You know, the college game is through the roof. Can we get some some of that momentum on the pro side, I think, is something that I've always been curious about. And I do think this avenue, Athletes Unlimited, has done a very good job 
of providing the funding, you know, taking care of the athletes. From what I've been told, I've had numerous athletes and limited athletes on the show who have played in the NPF. And they told me it's night and day from the standpoint of they're much more taken care of here. It's not like, oh, man, I don't know if we could do this or not. You know, you're trying to save a buck here or there. No, they get taken care of. And I think that's huge to have that backing. And Athletes Limited has kind of grown because they have volleyball and lacrosse as well. So it's not just softball. They're trying to build a big uh, deal there. And I think a lot of that's why a lot of the players came back. They really had a blast doing it. And I do think this could be the future, the way it might work for pro uh, women's softball here in the States. I just don't know if the infrastructure is there to kind of do the traditional league where you would have six to eight teams in different markets. I don't know if that works right now. Maybe it will down the road. Maybe if softball is in the Olympics in Los Angeles, that could maybe grab some imagination. But I think for now, I think Athletes Unlimited – is the route. And I'm just kind of curious to see how year two goes. You're going to have fans in the stands in Rosemont. They have great fans there. Uh, but I'm curious how year two goes and if they, how the growth kind of continues and if they can make some small steps. I agree because my initial reaction is we do have to have some sort of like traditional centralized league, the way that the NPF was and was trying to be that sort of mirrors the MLB, for example, right? Like that's my gut reaction is that we need to have something like that. But during this ridiculous time during the pandemic, it seems like something like Athletes Unlimited is what's actually going to be more sustainable, at least for the foreseeable future. So I'm really curious too on where Athletes Unlimited goes from here because initially it was really a supplementary league to the NPF. Like that's why they sort of tacked it on at the end of what normally would be the NPF season. Now we don't have that. So now we're really kind of like all eyes on AU after the Olympics. And so I don't, I don't know. I'm like, maybe this is going to be even bigger than we anticipated because of other circumstances. Well, we won't have the confusion. If the NPF was still around, I think people might get a little confused. Wait, NPF, Athletes Unlimited, but now it's the only game in town. And I think that it's going to be fascinating. You got big names. And I think what's interesting, and I've talked to coaches uh, here about how the Athletes Unlimited format has influenced them. A lot of them now yes. use the Athletes Unlimited point system to get motivation to practice for their players. And and a lot of players are watching. And I think that's yeah. been a big dividend for Athletes Unlimited. They've made an influence already in the college game and other levels about, hey, why don't we do this? and try this way to create competition within the team. I think it's been a big already positive from Athletes Unlimited and their impact they've had. Yes, and to your point, the the best marketing is when somebody who actually is a part of it or uses it is an evangelist. And these athletes, so many people that we had on the show last year during the season, like Erica Piancastelli, Tori Dallas, like all these people said, like they feel like real professionals. Like this, for the first time, they really feel like, okay, I'm a professional softball player. I'm a professional athlete. So when you take care of the athlete and you take care of the fans, because I think a lot of the engagement that they have, even last year without fans, this year they'll have fans in person, but just that fan engagement um, that they have in terms of different memberships you can have and actually interacting directly with some of the players, et cetera, I think is really interesting and could prove to be a, a game changer. Well, and they're trying different things. Like you mentioned, like some athletes are available now. You could text them to talk softball. Yeah. So they're trying to create, and that's the, and it's a smart move to go the social media route 
I think, because a lot of softball's popularity comes from social media. Like how many times during the college postseason, social media is blowing up with what's going on in softball, in the college game, in the NCAA region or World Series. That doesn't happen in college baseball. That doesn't happen in college volley. You know what I mean? Yeah. Softball, there's something about softball in the dialogue with the fans. The fans, I've always made this comparison, Jenna. Softball fans are a lot like kind of football is to a lot of guys. You know, there's a passion, there's intensity, football year round. I feel like the softball fans are the same way about softball. They're passionate, they're intense year round. You know, sometimes they get a little carried away, right? But they're passionate about it. And I think that translates to you see it on social media and things like that. And I think Athletes Unlimited is doing a smart thing trying to have that with athletes interacting with the fans a little bit via social media, via the text messaging thing that they're trying to pull, to trying to do this year where uh, you could text a certain athlete during the season and, you know, talk about athletes. I think it's very smart to kind of create some – trying to create some conversation. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's it's one of those things where visibility creates opportunity. So the more visibility that people have to these athletes, and then I think also a plus that obviously coming hot off of the NCAA season, some rookies are now joining Athletes Unlimited. Because that wasn't really the case last year just because it was already kind of established professional players or Olympians, international players that were joining the league. But this time they had that collegiate draft. You have Odyssey Alexander in the mix. You know, you have some of these big names that people just watched at the World Series that are now adding also to the sort of star power and visibility and excitement around Athletes Unlimited. It's a great point. And I think this year is an important year because you have Kat Osterman in her swan song. Who picks up the mantle? Who is the next star? Is it Odyssey Alexander, who obviously has so much momentum from the World Series? Is it somebody like Haley McClenney, who I've said, arguably, pound for pound right now, is the best softball player in the world? What can't she not do, right? Yep. Um, so to me, this is an important Athletes Unlimited to see who steps out in that big name. Who is that player that all of a sudden is like, oh, I know her. She plays, she plays softball. I think that's kind of important for softball here now in the next couple of years, starting with Athletes Unlimited, is identifying – that torch, you know, Cat Osterman and Monica Abbott has been the face of the sport in a lot of ways. Yep. Who's the next generation between now and the next decade? Is it a Rachel Garcia? Is it Haley McClenney? Is it Odyssey Alexander? I don't, we don't know that yet, but I think that's the next step. And I think that's kind of trying to build some names and hopefully some of them end up still playing by 2028 where hopefully softball's in the Olympics. And next thing you know, you're in the global landscape. Yeah, I think that's I think between right. now and the next seven years is a fascinating time in softball is who are the next big stars in the sport? A hundred percent. Because the the stars that even retired, like Cat Osterman, like Daniel Laurie, that came back, they still were that sort of bridge, especially from the Olympic standpoint, from back in two thousand eight to now. But yes, they've all kind of said, All right, I'm retired, I'm I'm good to go now. I feel like I've kind of had that closure to my career. So yeah, what is next? You know, who who does emerge? And this is a great opportunity for that and to do it on a bigger stage than we're used to seeing for pro softball. And I think Athletes Unlimited allows these athletes to be creative and be marketable. And they try to market themselves. And I think that's a big positive. I think that's something too that I think to take the sport to the next level, 
you know, Kat's been so good as far as promoting the sport. I mean, I've seen Kat do interviews on news, cable news, you know, trying to promote the Olympic softball or she's been on locally in Texas. She's on nationally. I mean, you know, she understood that there's a responsibility to promote the game. She gets it. Not everybody gets that, but she gets it. And I think now I'm fascinated to see, starting in Athletes Unlimited, who are the other faces that step in there? Like we've talked about some of the names we've already discussed. And even names that right now maybe are not on Athletes Unlimited, but maybe will be in the future. Right. And I think these athletes do still have time to learn and soak up everything they can from Kat because she was a great example in season one. I think not only for her competitiveness and how she approaches the game, but even how she approaches the actual structure and the way that Athletes Unlimited is set up. Like she doesn't mess around with the drafts, with like actually strategizing her her lineups, all of that stuff. She's like there to get it done. So smart. She is smart and super competitive. And I watched the draft. Yeah. And I was just, I, I always, I'm amazed by her and, and I've gotten, I've been fortunate. I've had her on our show a couple of times. So I've gotten a chance to kind of pick her brain on stuff. And, you know, I could tell how her brain works. And it was so funny watching the draft because, mm-hmm. you know, last year for those that, you know, would follow, she would always pick Gwen Zvekis and they built this chemistry yes. and, and helped her win athletes unlimited. And, you know, they both talked about it. I covered them and I asked them about it and, you know, Cat liked Gwen a lot. She likes how she catches. There's something about that. So obviously, this year you could tell that some of the strategy was let's split them apart. Let's not make sure they get them in. But she had a plan already. She knows she's anticipating this. She's anticipating that everybody expects her to maybe try to get Gwen. So she goes the other yep. way with it. Tries to get you know that's one of the. She, I mean, she, you know, obviously she was a coach at Texas State. I don't know if that's maybe that's where that comes from. Okay, fine. You're going to take Gwen. I'm going to take Deja, who I've played with, who I like as much, <laughs> who, you know, has been on the Olympic team. Meanwhile, she gets her later in the draft, like got her as a bar. I'm like, wow. So she's got Deja. She's just mm-hmm. so smart. She has a plan A. She has a plan B. I don't think she gets, I don't think she gets rattled if a player she likes gets taken. She's always strategically right. thinking. She reminds me a lot. The athlete I would compare her to is Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning was always aware what he was one of the smartest people, right? He runs the offense. I know what I'm doing. This is put, go here. He, he was like his own coach. And I feel like Kat's the same way. She's her own coach. She knows how to think the game. And just watching her, look at the team she built already in week one. It's insane. Like she got Haley McClenny. Again, I think she's the best player, all around player in the, in the world right now. She gets Tori Vidalis who can hit Deja. She got her in round five. Round five. That's insane <laughs> that she got her. Shelby Penley, round seven. She gets, by the way, she ends up with Sammy Williams, who's one of the rookies, in round 14. I've seen Sammy Williams at Iowa State. She can hit. I mean, she top to bottom. She's got a loaded roster. Uh, and, and, you know, and everybody has great rosters. Obviously, there's talent. But just her, the way she strategically built her team, like you said, it's just impressive, why, which is why, again, I'm going to make her the favorite this year to go back-to-back and be the winner of Athletes Eliminate because I know she's competitive and she wants to go out on top. Agree. I think my money's on Kat to do it again. And then you have the experience of the Olympics where it wasn't gold. 
right? Like she was going for and what she was hoping for in terms of like that end to her career. So I think there's even more of a fire there in that regard, but totally with you. I was like all eyes, like just staring at her, like, okay, are we going to pick Gwen in the first round? Like, how are we going to approach this? Is it going to be the same as last year or what? Because we had her on this show um, the morning after she won Athletes Unlimited last year. So definitely a highlight of Believe in Softball <laughs> was being able to have Kat right after she became the first ever Athletes Unlimited champion. And I asked her about Gwen and she said there was a maturity there. And just even the way that Gwen talked about um, how to tunnel pitches was something that Kat was impressed with because not all catchers, especially younger catchers, really have that sort of mentality. And in terms of pitch calling is uh, definitely a a little bit of a lost art or sort of fading in that direction. Um, But people also asked her a lot last year, like, how come you haven't picked Haley McClenney? And she was like, well, she picked Glenn first every time. And by the time she had her next pick, McClenney was gone. She's not going to stay available for very long. So I thought it was interesting that she did kind of lean towards some of her Team USA people with Deja, with Haley, Michelle Moultrie, she picked later. And then even um, really Savannah Jacobs was not on the Olympic team, but she played with Kat directly with Team USA for a while. And then last year, Jacobs was like kind of the only person that could hit Kat. So maybe like also kind of smart, like, hey, yeah, let's get her on my team so we don't have to face her. Yeah, I I agree. when people think she's going to zig, she zags, you know? And I think that's kind of what you saw. Yeah. And that's what makes her very smart. And she knows how to build a team. I think, and I think, I really do believe it comes from her coaching background, knowing what kind of building pieces there in her own mind. She's a student of the game. She just enjoys following players. Uh, I always enjoy how she picks a team very well. They're trying to, clearly they're trying to make it more difficult for her. Cause remember last year, every time you had the most points, you would pick first. Well, this year they've changed it. She got to pick fourth and fifth. So they changed it up a little bit, and I think it's because of her. Right. And I, but she's like, fine. Uh, and so I think that also she understands the <laughs> rules. Okay, so now I don't have the first pick. I have the fourth, fifth pick. Okay, fine. I'm going to do this and this instead. Um, yeah, there were some interesting trends going on in that draft. I think you looked at Victoria Haywood, a lot of Huskies on her team. Uh, I thought that was kind of funny to see some of that uh, go yep. on there. And then I think even – you know, Team Piscatelli, a lot of international players going with Sarah Gronewagen with the first overall pick, who had a fantastic Olympics for Team Canada. I thought that was fascinating yes. that she would go number one overall uh, and, and building some more of the international side of things there. So I thought it was interesting some of the trends that we saw from each of the captains there uh, here for this first week. And, you know, we'll see how it works out and how they set their lineups. I think the fascinating thing about Kat is – having been a former pitching coach, how she sets up the pitching rotation. When does she pitch? When does she let others pitch? Obviously, she drafted Randy Rupp, yep. who she coached at Texas State. She's the greatest pitcher in Texas. It's the greatest player in Texas State history. So she knows Randy very well. She coached her. She helped her develop her. And so I, it's always fun to see those two kind of reunite like they did last year, and they're doing it here in this first week and kind of seeing you know that kind of deal go. But you mentioned it. A lot of Olympians on her team as well. They just spent a lot of time together uh, over the last handful of months, and uh, and in the Olympics and things like that. So you're right. There was a very interesting. It was a very interesting draft uh, to get things started. It was. I noticed that Jesse Warren also really leaned heavy on Team Mexico. I think six members of that team are on Jesse Warren's team. Yeah. Um, a couple of things that surprised me a little bit too was Katiana Malga not going drafted really like just getting sort of assigned in that 14th round 
just given how much power she has and she showed that last season, I was just surprised that 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 happened. Also a little bit surprised that McQuillan was drafted as high as she was just because last year she had a little bit of a rough start, definitely turned it around and started doing better later in the season, but didn't really get any time in the Olympics either. But I am trying to keep in mind too, and we all should, that there are things happening at practice and some of the scrimmages and things that we haven't seen, right? That they are seeing in terms of like, it's week to week. So who's performing right now? Like it is really what they're looking at. And then the fact that the first sort of new grad fresh out of NCAA softball that was drafted was Carrie Eberly, very capable, but I, I was a little surprised. Um, I think Odyssey was right after her, to be fair, but I think all interesting moves in this first draft. But really, I think that's going to happen week to week. There's always going to be some things that surprise us. The, the interesting thing about what Jesse did, both lefties, Danielle Tua and McQuillan, the Arizona reunion, the Team Mexico combo, they're going lefties with basically her pitchers. I found that fascinating that she decided just go mm-hmm. lefty-lefty pitchers there. Uh, a little bit interesting strategy there. She kind of focused a lot on the offense. When you look at Amanda Lorenz first pick, so there you go. Gators and Knowles can get along. Yeah, uh, Amanda Chittister in there. <laughs> Anissa Ortez in there. Sydney Romero, Jesse Harper. She did take her former teammate Jessica Burrows later in the ninth round. So you know her teammate. She knows her better than anybody. So you yeah. know I think she figured she could go lefty lefty. And then you got Burrows the righty. And then you got Sasha Palacios. You can mention Amanda Sessions. But she went very heavy on the offensive standpoint. And I think they're trying to – look, Jesse's an offensive player, a dynamic offensive player. And I think she wants to outslug some teams here and score some runs. Yeah, and that's the thing is like what I think is great about Athletes Unlimited too is that you get points for winning games and also winning innings because that was the thing last year. Like honestly, I think Haley McClenney, if she would have been able to be picked on Cat's team, like if Gwen wasn't the first pick every time and she didn't get snagged by somebody else – she probably would have been in that top four just because <laughs> she would have won more games since Cat won so much, you know? And so there are things like that that I think will play out in an sure. interesting way as well. I, yep. I think you see the personalities too when they draft. I think you're right. I, to me, if I were building a strategy in terms of picking my team, I, I think, for example, like what Pianca Selly was probably thinking when she picks Gronawagen first, like she did great in the Olympics. She was very solid for Team Canada. And also, some folks are a ton of Olympians, but a lot of folks didn't see her last year during Athletes Unlimited. Because that's, I think, what was tough for the pitchers, is that they're facing the same hitters over and over and over again, and they know your stuff at that point. But not necessarily with Sarah Grunwagen, at least not for everybody. And so I think that was an interesting pick. But I think I would do that. Pitchers who win, just pitchers who win, so you can get those Ws or who haven't been seen as much. Speed is great. Like I noticed Vic Hayward chose uh, Morgan Zirkle for that purpose, I think, because that's also a way where not only she can rack up points, but like let's get runners into scoring position. And then catchers with offensive production. Like Jake Wish is very much a versatile player. She's more of a utility really. But I think Kat's thinking like she's got that offensive power and production. Like let's let's get her on board as one of the catchers that we have here, along with Deja. Like that seemed to be Kat's approach. So anyway, really interesting. Um, the strategy is always fascinating. I'm very interested. One of the things I'm looking forward to seeing this week, Cat uh, and Odyssey on the same team and their interaction there, right? Like, I mean, Odyssey just had this incredible explosion, postseason run, attention and everything. And now you got Cat and they're be on the same team. That's going to be fascinating to see that uh, kind of how to, how they kind of mesh. 
a little bit there. And Nicole Newman is on team out. It was very interesting, Kat, going with the youth there from a pitching standpoint. And again, I think that's the coach in her. I think she'll kind of show them yeah. the ropes a little bit. And then, you know, worst case scenario, she could just, all right, I'm ready to come in now. I'm going to close this down <laughs> and shut it down. Um, but I'm inter- I I like the fact she's yeah. got young pitchers around there. And I think that kind of makes it fun for her. It's almost like she's once again kind of coach Coach Osterman when she's not pitching. And I think that's I, – I enjoy that a lot. I do too because I think that's another level of skill set and another thing that just makes her great. And it's particularly useful in Athletes Unlimited. And she said it last year. like She was like, I mean, my coaching background obviously helps me. She goes back and watches all the games too to look at different pitch sequences and and everything just like a coach would do, you know? So like she she's all in in every every – Every way she's ever touched softball, like she's she's bringing she's firing on all cylinders to make it happen for athletes unlimited. I think other rookies we've obviously mentioned Odyssey Alexander because how can you not? Other rookies that I think are going to make an impact are Sis Bates. The girl's a human highlight reel defensively, so I think that's going to be super interesting to have her there. Aaliyah Andrews, same thing, you know, a kind of a human highlight reel, and then Jesse Harper, just obviously so much power too. Um, but anyone else in your thoughts? I think those are good choices. Sammy Williams, I mentioned earlier, at last round, that's a bargain. If she gets the playing time on a weekly basis, she's going to produce. She can hit. I've seen her up close at Iowa State. That's a name that maybe some may not be as familiar with. I thought that was an incredible pick at the end there. I I think uh, she could be very good. I like your choices, though. I think you're dead on. I think we're on the same page on that as far as the rookies are concerned. It's just so interesting because you don't know how they get used early on. You know, and it depends a lot, too, what team they land on. Are they there to observe more than play? Do they get to play a ton? Do they kind of play as the, as the tournament goes on, as they get their feet right. in? How do they how do they respond being around these people? You know, a lot of them are kind of awestruck when they're playing with Kat. Like, man, I grew up. I joked with Kat one time when I had her on, like, I feel like I'm the only person in the country that doesn't have a photo with you at some point in your life. Because a lot of these players – grew up idolizing her and going to games and taking photos with her. And they're like, man, I remember when I took a photo and I don't know she doesn't like that. Yeah. It reminds her like, man, I'm getting up there, but it's just shows you the impact she has. So I think there's that awe of, man, I'm playing with Ailey McClenny. I'm playing with Kat Osterman that I think as a rookie, that's something they kind of have to adjust. And I think they do for the most part, but eventually it's like, whoa, that first glance, like I'm facing Kat Osterman. You know, if you're an opponent, you're like, oh man, <laughs> that's right. not easy even if I wasn't uh, starstruck but now I'm facing the cat Osterman so uh right. and things like that or if you're you know Haley you're, you're a young rookie pitcher you're facing Haley McClenny who you just saw crush the Olympics um that's something I think rookies will kind of have to adapt to here early on maybe that's why they'll struggle maybe some in some cases early because man the level takes a different level the, the, the level they're playing against is really high here and and there might be an adjustment period well, they're rookies in more than one way. They're rookies to pro softball and playing with these this level of player, like you're saying, but also to the Athletes Unlimited format. And like this whole world that is Athletes Unlimited is is new. And, you know, and then the, there are the returners from last year. But there are some folks who are not rookies to the pro or international scene, but are new to Athletes Unlimited too, like Sarah Grunewagen, Taryn Alvello, Sydney Romero, Amanda Lorenz. I mean, those are some amazing players but they'll have a little bit of an adjustment potentially as well to this format. And even, especially the pitchers, one challenge that popped up last year for pitchers and catchers was, you know, normally you, you get to create that, 
that fantastic relationship between the battery and really have that trust. And those things are built over time and you don't really have the time in Athletes Unlimited. It's week to week. So if you can get on the same team as somebody that you already mesh with, that's great, but it doesn't always happen. So there's some adjustments that happen, particularly in the battery as well. I agree. And I think that's one of the things that why well, I'm still going to pick Kat to win this year. She's got two catchers. She has, a you know, in Gwen and Deja on a weekly basis that I think she could, in theory, try to, try to get one of them. And she'll be fine. Because, you know, and I remember I did an interview with her and I've interviewed yeah. uh, Megan Willis, who was her longtime catcher at Texas and in the pros with USSA. There is something about having that relationship between a pitcher and a catcher that you just brought up that it builds over time. You know, Megan told me that, you know, it took him a while, but, you know, the, the reason they clicked was their personalities were different in that Megan could tell Kat, hey, this ain't working, this or that. And Kat likes feedback, you know, and, you know, and Kat wants to feel comfortable with a certain catcher and things like that. That takes time uh, in some cases. And it'll be interesting to see what chemistries do we see develop and trends as we go week by week here at Athletes Unlimited. So who else do you predict to be in that that top four and even the defensive player of the year as well at the end of it? Ooh, um, I, I'm, I'm on the McClenny bandwagon. I mean, she just put on a show in the Olympics. Mm. I've enjoyed watching her play since Alabama. I watched her in person. I'll never forget, I called the UCF-Alabama game in Alabama. UCF had bases loaded. Balls hit to deep center. I think it's going to be a grand slam. McClenny just flies in the air, <laughs> robs the kid out of the home run. And I'm like, wow. I mean, he's just an athlete. So I have her on my top four. If I, if I project right now, my top four at the end of the year, my prediction of Athletes Unlimited, I think it's Kat, Haley McClenny. I think Victoria gets back there. I think Victoria's another one. It's sharp. She used to be a coach. Uh, she's had a great Olympics too. I, I'm into that momentum. So I think she will be the third one. And then the fourth one, man, we could go in a lot of different directions. That's the one that I've kind of, you know, you mentioned earlier, had Haley played more with Kat, she probably would have been a top four. So you're right. That's where some in some of these cases, like who gets to play on the certain teams uh, kind of remains to be seen. Uh, if you Right now, if you force me to pick as a fourth member, I probably would go, oh, woo. <laughs> probably, I, 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 it's tough. I mean, there's so many. I, I would probably lean towards Jesse Warren slightly, but you can make cases yeah. for others. But that's that's my four right now. My pick. I think that's completely fair to me. I'm with you with Cat. I think we both agree there. But I think Vic and Jesse could very well. You know, we could have three of the same in that top four at the end of the day. Victoria knows how to play the point system. She's a member yes. of the PEC. She also is was the first signee ever with Athletes Unlimited. Like she, it's in her DNA how Athletes Unlimited works. You know, so she knows what she's doing in that regard. I think Jesse Warren is just a point scorer, also, and knows how to win. So there's that. And she was on fire last year offensively. But I agree with you, Haley McClenney. I mean, I think she's always got to be in the running. Some people from last year that that. I think could be interesting if they end up on those right teams and get those wins too. Savannah Jaquish was outstanding offensively last year, Hannah Flippin. Um, and then I always have to keep in mind too, that pitchers are point scorers as well, as long as they keep the ball in the ball park as much as possible. Right. But like, so if you look at like O'Toole, Haley Wagner, Sarah Gronawagen, who could all be successful from a pitching standpoint, like maybe that racks up points as well. I don't know. It's interesting, but 
but I'm, I'm with you for the most part. I think there are, there are some, <laughs> there's a lot of people that could end up in those top four spots. It's going to be tough, but it's going to be exciting. Wagner had a really good first year too. She was right in that mix last year. And I I'm with you. Grindelwagen had a good Olympics as well. I kind of like her, uh, but I, I, I like my four, but I mean, look, you can make a case for a lot of players. And again, you mentioned it, you make a great point. Yeah. It's going to change week to week because it depends on what teams you're in and how your team does. So it's a fascinating uh, deal there. But I, I think I like your Haywood theory. I mean, you went in depth on why I, I like Victoria. I've gotten to know Victoria a little bit. Uh, I think I'm with you, Jesse. I think Jesse, you know, Jesse obviously can hit and she's familiar playing in Rosemont from her days in the NPF. She seems to, she knows what's going on and Kat's super competitive. The only thing, you know, the thing that only worries me is Kat's the type that might just, you know, she's so multi-talented. She did broadcasting this past year at Texas State and was very good at it. For all I know, she could pop up in the booth at some point and just take a week yeah. off and, you know, and say, all right, all right. But I, but th- that being <laughs> said, she's so competitive that I, I have a feeling she's going to, you know, she wants to go out on top. So maybe I, I don't have to worry about that as much. But you just never know. Right. I think for the Defensive Player of the Year award, too, I mean, Haley McClenney got it last year, I think pretty well deserved just given all the fantastic plays in the outfield but I'm going with her yeah I think it's possible but if she ends up in the top four this time around right like if if that changes then I'm thinking like it's possible we could see someone from the rookie camp like again Sis Bates Aaliyah Andrews are human highlight reels and that I think is a less of an adjustment as a rookie is that defensive aspect um, than maybe some other aspects of the game. So I think it's possible. Also, I think you can't sleep on Hannah Flippin. She is fantastic defensively. So is Anissa Urtez. And then Jesse Warren. I mean, that, that classic diving catch from that bunt in the World Series is replayed every single year for a reason. And, and you know, she's aggressive over there at third base too. So I think could be interesting. I was there in person for the Warren play at the World Series. So uh, trust me, I, I remember that play very well. I defended that play last uh, this past year on the show because the big debate was what was the better World Series play, that play or the Odyssey Alexander play against Oklahoma State, uh, mm. which was a big debate on our one of our live shows we did after that. But uh, I'm, I, I like flipping. That's a good pick. I like Bates. I just don't know what her role is on a week-to-week basis because she's a rookie. Is she going to start? Is she going to play a lot? I don't know on a weekly basis. Whereas I feel like flipping will. So I'm leaning towards flipping. If I can't take a McClinney double dip, I would go flipping as my choice for defensive player. Just go a little different out there. I think she's an all-around super talent uh, who, you know, personally, I would have liked to have seen on the U.S. team. I mean, first of all, I wish the Olympics would actually move into the 21st century and just put softball in guaranteed. I think I think the sport has proven that it's not dominated by Americans right. like they claimed many years ago. That's number one. And number two, I would expand it to 18 because no softball right. team in today's game really goes with 15 players on a roster. And I think that actually hurts the U.S. I think if you put 18, right. a hand of flipping could have made a big difference there. I would have liked to. So I'm a big flipping fan. I've seen her in person at Utah. And obviously what she's done with Team USA and things like that. I, I That would be my pick then for Defensive Player of the Year. Same. And she came on the show last year, and I was just impressed with the way that she thinks. She's a very versatile hitter from the right side, which is also interesting. You know, you'll see her drop a drag bunt, utilize her speed, read the defense the same way some of the lefty hitters do. So I think she's just such an asset to have in many ways. 
but then yeah, defensively, I mean, she's it's it's beautiful watching her and Anissa Ortez out there in general together. Kind of that like Utah reunion up in the middle infield was actually really fun <laughs> last year. So I think to me, Ortez is one of the ones that flies under the radar a little bit that I think is solid. She did great in the Olympics too. Um, Janie Reed, I would say last year in Athletes Unlimited also had a solid outing. Maybe wasn't talked about as much as Haley McClenney, right? But like still did pretty well. Kaylee Clifton too. Like she hit a few home runs, right? And I don't know if we talked about her enough in general last season. And then Morgan Howe felt like she had a really strong like outing as a, a new pro player and a rookie last year. But are there any others for you that you feel like fly under the radar that we might be surprised? Yeah, yeah, I do. I, uh, you know, from the, de- I think from a defensive standpoint, Ali Aguilar mm. is another one to keep in mind from a defensive player of the year candidate list. Uh, there was a reason, you know, I think with Team USA, you saw her, what she could do defensively at second base. Uh, they were playing some great defense plays. So I would keep an eye on Aguilar from a defensive standpoint, from a defensive player of the year. I think that's something that, uh, to watch, um, you know, Alicia Ocasio mm. is somebody that intrigues me because she could be a two-way player. Gronawagen, something that is a two-way player. Remember, Gronawagen was the one that broke up Monica Abbott's no-hitter in the Olympics. She can hit. I've seen her. She can hit. Yep. So I'm yep. curious, in some of these players, do they go two-way? You know, from a point mm. system, that could be fascinating. If they go a two-way player, like Ocasio could do a, be a two-way player if she wanted to. Uh, or or does she just focus on being a pitcher or focus whatever? Same thing with the Gronawagen. Do we see her hit at some point? Uh, I'm, I, those are some questions that I'm kind of looking forward to seeing uh, what happens. And then I'll give you another one is Sam Fisher. Under the radar, mm. Loyola, but a great athlete. Loyola Marymount, the greatest player ever at Loyola Marymount. Has played at Team USA in the past. Uh, I think she's somebody that could be a sleeper as well. And then Samantha Shaw is another one two-way player, you know, to watch. I, I'm very interested to see how some of these two-way players in particular do, but those are some names to watch well. I'm interested to see Sam Fisher play against some of these players and uh, see if she can rack up some points. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Sam Fisher. I had her on the show too. We played together when we were like 11, I want to say. Um, so we got to chat a little bit more about life, you know, 20-plus years later. Um, but yeah, she's interesting. I mean, first home run, first hit of Athletes Unlimited history last year in season one. And great point with Ocasio. I feel like we've been, that's been a miss for us so far, not talking about her more, actually, because really she was trending to be in that top four. She missed the week with the family yes. emergency last year and then came back and was still actually close to breaking that that top level and that top tier. So she absolutely, as a two, and a two-way players, I think I mentioned this on your show before, but Love it. I love pitchers who hit, hitters who pitch, however you want to think of it. And it is such a great way to earn points in Athletes Unlimited. And I think that was huge for Ocasio last year. So I love that. And I hope we get to see that because I think it's super fun. Amen. Amen. I'm a big two-way player. I mentioned earlier Allison Kime, who's probably my favorite player. I mean, influenced me in liking softball. She was a two-way player when she was at UCF. So I've always enjoyed seeing the two-way players and just the strategic avenue that they come from from that avenue knowing both sides so you're right but Ocasio you're right we've probably uh she's probably somebody we should one of us should have brought up as a top four because you're right if she doesn't miss that week she probably slides into that top four so we're both gonna look bad now you just realized we've now (laughs) we've set ourselves up for failure here 
We did that to ourselves, but we caught it, right? I think that counts for something. Yes, we did. We did catch it before it was too late. Yeah. <laughs> well, I want to ask you too, one thing that if you could change about Athletes Unlimited, what would that be? Because I have a very specific one in mind. Wow. Wow. Um, ooh, you got me. Why don't you, yeah, you go first. I didn't think of that. That's a good question. I don't, you know, because the point systems, I mean, you could say maybe there's certain points you might want to tweak a little bit, like, you know, maybe reward more for stolen bases. So that way we could create some, you know, excitement with speed, especially if you're a slap hitter, right? That might mm-hmm. help you a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I'm curious what you have in mind, because clearly you got something in mind. I do have something in mind. I am a bit of a defensive purist, so I would love to see. I mean, I need data to back this up to understand exactly how many points, et cetera, but points awarded for certain things defensively and even maybe taken away if you make an error as well. Um, And the reason is because I think that's a more holistic representation of the game. Sometimes I think our current college game, for example, has skewed further and further and further to really being all about the long ball and all about offense. And some of the defense hasn't been quite as sharp as it has been in the past. And so if we include some sort of defensive component, I think it also gives more of a, an opportunity for different types of stars to emerge. Um, so, you know, maybe Hannah Flippin isn't flying under the radar as much or Anissa Ortez or some of these people that we're talking about. And I think it's a message to younger softball players, too, that defense also matters, right? So I think, to me, that's, again, we need the data to understand exactly how to structure this. I don't have that. But if we, if I could get it, I feel like some sort of component there would be good. I don't mind that. How about this? I'll go an extra mile since I just popped up. What do you think about if a hitter strikes out, you lose points? Like, do, do we do, do we kind of put raise the stakes a little bit if you get you know reward more strikeouts if a pitcher strikes out a hitter with runners on base or bases loaded you get extra points now part of this is i know in talking to people at athletes i mean they don't want to overcomplicate it to where as a viewer you're confused by the point system so we got to be careful with that right that being said i like your idea about if a player makes an error wow that you know that cost you some points or if a hitter strikes out Maybe that costs you some points. Or if a pitcher gets a yeah. strikeout, you know, get some points, you know, especially maybe with runners on base. Raise the stakes a little bit. I, I, I would probably tweak that a little bit. You know, if your team loses, do you lose some points? You know, raise the stakes a little bit. Maybe that's some of the tweaks that I would do. I like your idea about the, you know, if a player makes an error. That would be fascinating. But I think the the counter argument we're going to get here, here's the counter argument, though, I think we're going to get. Yeah. Infielders are going to say that's very unfair because they're more likely to make an error than, say, an, than an outfielder or a pitcher. They get more. So it works to an infielder's disadvantage. Right. That would probably be the counter argument that we would get. Totally, which is also why I was like, we need the data because I realized that like the percentages and the chance that you actually get to make a play is not equal, right? I think because hitting is so difficult as it is, I don't know if I take away points for things like a strikeout. The reason I say that on the defensive side for errors is because that's what happens with your fielding percentage, right? Like it it drops. And um, I think it's motivation for people, again, to make sure that their defense is on point. Um, but 
when it comes to offense, I think it's tough to take away points when it's hard enough as it is offensively to hit off people like Kat Osterman and Alicia Ocasio, like all of these people. No, I hear you. So that, that might be tough, but, Not- but errors, I just, I guess I just, I'm a defensive purist, like I said. So I just really, you know, and even maybe if it's, if it's like points for double plays or points for diving catches or something, like just something. I mean, again, I need data. That might, yeah, right. Something. You're going to yeah. need more data. Double play double play would be a good idea. Otherwise, I think you're going to get the infielders to say, wait a minute, why am I being punished for trying to make a great play deep in the hole and forcing a throw? Now I get punished right. for trying to make a great play. Why should I get cost myself points Shouldn't you know when an outfielder has a much easier role, basically? Otherwise, the only way they can get an error is if they drop a ball, probably, or if they maybe bobble right. a ball in the infield. So I feel like the infielders would not like that, obviously. So I think they would push back on that. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I think that's probably why yeah. I don't think we'll see that unless they come up with something to reward infielders. Like you said, maybe it's a double play, uh, you know, a, a, a great assist. You know, how about that? Do you reward an outfielder or, or somebody for an assist? If they throw somebody out at home plate or throw somebody out at third base, do you reward a catcher yeah. for throwing out a base runner? Can we do some of that, maybe? That's a, a huge defense? one. Yes. And yeah. I wonder, sometimes I wonder if catchers should get a little bit more credit for some of the pitching performances also. Because, you know, pitchers get get points for strikeouts. They get points for this and that. It's like, should catchers get something? Even if it's not equal, like something for that? Because without them, it's not possible. You know, like I, I do think, generally speaking, catchers are the unsung heroes. So I'm always keeping an eye on that. But. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. What about a no hitter? If, if if somebody throws a no hitter, do you I get extra points? Perfect game, it. right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like the the big stuff, you know. Maybe we and maybe I'm a little harsh. Maybe we don't need to take away points for errors. But if you make it a fantastic play, maybe you should get rewarded. You know. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's send all these ideas out to the league we, right now. I know. <laughs> We're gonna fire fire them off an email. Um, <laughs> well, no, I mean. There's so much coming for Athletes Unlimited. I mean, we could we could talk about this forever. Well, all right. So I always wrap up here with a game called Safer Out. I know you've listened to the show, so I think you're familiar with it. <laughs> all right. Doesn't mean I'm going to do well in it, but yeah, sure. <laughs> so yes, any I'll bring something up. If you like it, you agree with it, it's safe. If you don't like it, you don't agree with it, it's out. So I'm going to just start with this one. Super conferences, Safer Out. I reluctantly say safe. I think that's the direction we're headed with this in college athletics as a whole. Um, Hopefully it doesn't harm softball. I think it will harm certain college athletics. I'm not a fan of it. I like rivalries. I I, I hope we don't leave the the certain schools and programs. Think of a Louisiana Lafayette, what they've done in softball. Think of a Hofstra. I do worry about that, but so I, I reluctantly will say safe. I think that's where we're headed. Yeah, I, I I do think that's where we're headed to. I'm reluctant about it as well, but um, I mean it's already happening. You know, in my mind, the Big Twelve has been gut like the heart of the Big Twelve has been gutted already. A and M's already been gone. Texas, Oklahoma. I get nervous about that happening to the ACC. What if Clemson leaves? You know, and goes to SEC. I just I get worried, but it does seem like that is the future. At the end of the day. Yeah. All right. So that's the first one. Um, Second one is uh, young girls playing baseball growing up instead of softball. Safer out. 
Oh, uh, I think more and more that's out, right? Like I feel now, you know, because I've spoken to Jessica Mendoza and others that drew, and they said that was the only options they had. That's not the case right. anymore. Now you could play softball. And by the way, we just saw the Little League Softball World Series. That's getting exposure. You talk about exposure. It's not just in the college game. The Little League Softball World Series, I've written about this for Justin's World of Softball. It's drawing yep. big numbers. There's a reason why the coverage has gone up. It's just like Little League Baseball. It draws viewership. So I think it's out. I think we're, if you're as young, more and more people are now going to pick softball than being, quote, unquote, you'll still have some to play baseball. But I think more and more will play softball. I think it continues to grow. I think I'm with you because I'm very pro girls can do whatever they want. I don't care if it's mostly boys playing. They can play baseball if they want. However, I'm also very pro softball in general. <laughs> like it is my favorite sport for obvious reasons. So I do. I love what it does for young women and young girls and even men who play fast pitch too. Right. But like, I just love this sport. So I would love to see women and young girls going in that direction. So I'm with you. And they have lessons now that they can do it. They can do it. They can do lessons. There's more access to it now than there's ever been before. Exactly. Exactly. So why not do it? Exactly. All right. So last one is bat flips. Safer out. <laughs> I say safe. Look, I know people, some don't like it, but it is part of the game. I'm okay with showing your personality. I had Samantha Shaw on when she did it. And look, it brought a lot of attention to the, the sport. Baseball players do it too. Nobody yeah. makes as big of a deal there. Granted, they usually try to take, you know, they kind of get silly because they'll throw at people. We don't want that in softball. I'm not as bothered by it. My thing <laughs> is, if you got a problem with it, strike them out. Make sure they don't hit the ball out of the park. Yeah, I get that. I get it. You know, I think the sport also evolves, and it does. You know, just, I think at one point I felt like I was on the cusp of the new generation of softball players, right? Now I'm like starting to more and more fade towards I'm I'm really old school. Like there's a new generation that's that's been here, right? And I think that's just how it is. It just evolves and moves forward. So I get it. All right. Well, I could keep you here forever. So <laughs> at this point, I will just go ahead and say thank you for joining because I think this is so fun. I'm glad we finally got to do a little role reversal too after having been on In the Circle. Glad to have you here on Believe in Softball. So thank you for joining. It's an honor to be on your show anytime. We'll definitely get you back on. And as you can see, we both we both have opinions. That's why we have podcast shows. But that's the beauty of it. Uh, <laughs> it's been a blast. to talk to you. Uh, awesome to talk to you. And uh, we'll def definitely do this again soon. Some exciting stuff coming with Athletes Unlimited. And I just really enjoy having these conversations, you know, sharing opinions, takes, having that open discussion around our sport. I think it's healthy, contributes to growth, which is what we're all trying to do at the end of the day. And I appreciate Eric's dedication to covering our sport as it continues to grow. So with that, let's transition to the Fouts of the Week. This week's foul tip is about community over competition. So if you're into sports and you're athletic, you, you know what that competitive drive is all about. And it's easy to get kind of caught up in tunnel vision, you know, and just all about like, well, how can I win? And I think sometimes women can be, there's a little bit of an edge to their competitiveness. And I, I hate that stereotype, like, oh, women are so competitive with each other. It's not necessarily what I mean. I think more so historically, there have been more limited opportunities for women and girls. 
So sometimes there can be that, like in the back of our minds, this thought that like, well, if I don't get this opportunity, like, I don't know if there are going to be other opportunities. There might not be enough for everybody. So I'm super competitive about this. And I, I want to get this opportunity and not this other woman or girl. But that's, we're learning that that's not true. And that mindset only breeds what the exact thing we're trying to avoid. Really, there's actually more success in working together. It's obviously very evident in team sports. I mean, no one person can actually win a game. I mean, I'm sure a lot of Kobe Bryant fans would try to claim that he won some games by himself. But like in reality, you can't actually have only one person on the field, on the court, whatever it is, right? If you're trying to do something, anything, it could be even the smallest thing, like picking up all the balls in the batting cage. Having help and doing it together is always going to be faster, easier, and usually better. So an example would be, you know, Eric and I coming on each other's podcasts. That's us working together. Because there is an entire community of people like us covering softball. And we have the same goals. We want to help grow the game. You can't do that alone. Growing it literally means getting more people involved. The more, the merrier. And you know what? Sure, we also, we might want to build our individual careers. But building relationships within the industry is a good thing for that. You know, sharing ideas and getting inspiration from each other, that creates better content at the end of the day as well. So it, it ends up being better for us as individuals too. It's like any game. If your teammate gets a hit in there at bat, it doesn't take away your chances or ability to get a hit in your at bat. It's obviously better for the team because you're trying to win. So yes, everybody, please, the more hits, the better. And if anything, it's really contagious for you. It, it brings a lot of energy to the rest of the team. You can learn from there at bat. And hey, even so, if you're like, hey, I'd like to knock them in and get some more RBIs. Well, they just made that an opportunity for you. So whether it's your teammates or others who have the same passion as you, it's a community at the end of the day. And communities are better when they're united, not divided. So that's it. Community over competition. That's the foul tip of the week. You've been listening to Believe in Softball presented by Ben Online. The show is available anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, wherever else you listen, including Believe.com. And you can also watch the videos on YouTube. So subscribe, rate, write a review, and share it with your friends. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Believe in Softball. Again, B-L-E-A-V. You can always reach out to me too on Twitter at JennaBissera01 and Instagram at JennaBissera as well. So thank you for tuning in and catch you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.